Yes. Yes. That's one of our many things that we do that God seems to honor. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Amen. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. I agree. If you have your Bibles, let's hold them up. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand powerful Word of God. And change lives. Heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm so glad you're here. Tongue pierced. You might think, boy, that's an odd name for a sermon series. And I agree. And the graphic that I'm using on the front of your bulletin is even more so. The guy's got his tongue with a cross pierced into it. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about piercings, but it doesn't really matter. That's a great picture, so I'll put it on there. But we start this new series today. We're going to go for five Sundays, and we're going to talk about the power of words. How many have ever heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but will never hurt me? How many of you believe that? How many of you know it's a lie? <laughs> That's right. I'm telling you, it's a lie. Words devastate you. There's power in words. Sociologists have done studies. They've developed what they call the most power phrases in the English language. Now, this isn't on your outline, but take those out. Somewhere on the white section, just some blank spot there. Uh, you might jot these down because these are really interesting. Okay? So the first phrase, so I'm going to see if you can fill it in. So the first phrase, before I tell you what the answer is, the first phrase that they studied is a four-word phrase. Four-word phrase that's considered the most powerful word phrase in the English language. So write something down that you think that might be. Okay? Second phrase may be a little easier. It's a three-word phrase. It starts with I and ends with you. Okay? Then there's a two-word phrase, and then there's a one-word phrase. Okay. Everybody got them? Got your answers written down? Here, here you go. The first one, the the most powerful four-word phrase in the English language is once upon a time. Once upon a time. It's kind of a magical phrase, isn't it? Once upon a time. So how about the three words? I love you. Starts with I and ends in you and puts love in for me. I love you. It's pretty powerful. Two most important words. You suck. No, that's not it. No, no. 
It's the phrase, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've heard the other one too quite a bit in my lifetime. Sometimes they would say it just that way, and other times they said it in uh, what was supposed to be a little better terms, but nevertheless. And then how about the one word, most powerful word? I. I. Has a philosophical twist to it. You exist. I. Very powerful. All those are powerful. Did you realize that there's 400 verses in the Bible that relate to our words? We'll look at some of them, not all 400, but we'll look at some of them during this series. But we want to start with our memory verse, Proverbs 18.21. And I don't have the whole verse there, just a portion of it, but it's, it's great to memorize this verse. The tongue has the power of life and death. Boy, so true. It's so true. The tongue has power. It can give life. It can increase life. It can add value to your life, but it can also bring death to people. But just because of the way these words can be used. They can cause decay to tear down. And that's what literally it means in the Hebrew is to tear down, destroy. Would you agree that those words, that words do that? They do. They do. So the bigger question is, how are we using our words? Are we using our words to build up or are we using our words to tear down? One of the things that I used to do a lot more than I'm, I, and I tried to catch myself and change, is I would use sarcasm a lot to make a point. And I had a good brother call me on that one day. He goes, he goes if you have a problem with me, just tell me directly. Don't be sarcastic about it. It's so true. Just be up front. Here I am. Here it is. Here we go. Okay? Also, I had to learn the hard way that just because somebody brings what might be considered a criticism, they're not criticizing me at all. They're simply trying to help me, to educate me, to teach me so that I can learn and grow. So sometimes it's hard to differentiate between those. But words can do that. Words can bring glory or condemnation. Jesus said there's two great commandments. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. And then he elevated the second command when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Because see, in many ways to use our tongue is to use words to glorify God. It also means that we should use words to love God and to use those same words to love other people. Not always easy. But we're going to talk about that through this uh, five-week series. So I want you to think about a minute. What would it look like if every word that came out of your mouth was a word that brought glory to God? If every word that came out of your mouth brought glory to God, what would it look like? What if everybody in the office building where you worked said only things that built people up instead of tearing them down? That would be a great place to work, wouldn't it? <laughs> Man. Because you don't hear nearly as much of the building up as we do of the yike, And we need to be more about building people. 
But there's three truths right there at the bottom of your front page on your outline. There's three truths about words. Number one, truth number one is words are a gift from God. Words are a gift from God. And if you think about it, our ability to speak, our ability to use words, our ability to communicate is a gift that God gives us. In Genesis 1, not this isn't in your notes, but just remember it. In Genesis 1, there was nothing that was happening until God spoke it into existence. Now think about that for a minute. It was the very Word of God that created everything that we have. That's a powerful speech. That's powerful words. God spoke into existence this world that we live in. So His words. God's words are very powerful. But they can also destroy so it was the words of God that started things going in the right way. It was God's word that created the heavens and the earth. It was God's word that created the humans and the animals, everything around them. It was because God spoke, and when God spoke, things happened. But likewise, God has given us that same power. And as humans, as His primary creation, He gives us the ability to communicate and to speak. And I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but your words are really a gift from God. So husbands and wives ought to be at least communicating in positive ways toward each other. Instead of... Don't hit anybody this morning while I'm saying these things. Words are given to you by God. You need to be good stewards of those words. Sam talked about that earlier, being a good steward. Our resources. Words are another one. So truth number one. Second truth is, words can build up or tear down. So words are a gift from God, number one. Number two, words can build up or tear down. And I don't think most of you would agree with that. We can all remember words from our past that build us up. Words of encouragement. My first grade teacher, Mrs. Winters, she was that way. She was a builder-upper of kids. My second grade teacher, Mrs. Lemon, she was not. She was sour. She was a, She was ugly. That's the one I mentioned, wash my mouth out with soap. I'll never forget that. I'm 61 years old. It's just like yesterday, boy. I remember that. And that girl lied to her that I cussed her out on the playground. And she asked me, what words did you, did you cuss her out with? I said, I don't know. She said, yeah, you do. So then I just thought about words I heard my brother say around the house. So I said, let those out, boy. Back of my neck, back to the back, ivory soap. <laughs> She'd be in jail today if she did that, wouldn't she? <laughs> hey, we should have enacted that earlier. Never mind. But words of encouragement are words of discouragement. Then truth number three, the quality of my life is determined by the quality of my words. That's a foundational truth that we're going to build this whole series on. Is the quality of my life is determined by the quality of my words. See, quality words can improve a relationship. I had to be a really good salesman to get Cindy to consider marrying me. How many of you believe that? Yeah, I see the hands going up. You bet. <laughs> and you know what? I've looked around this church a long time, and I believe a lot of you guys were good salesmen like I was. Because you ended up with women that you probably shouldn't have ended up with. But 
we'll just save that for another sermon. Because just like quality words can improve a relationship, negative words can tear down a relationship. Amen? I mean, I didn't start out with Cindy calling her little or chubby or whatever. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. Every word I gave her was best words I could find. I wanted her to like me and want me. So I was really impressive, man. You, you'll, you'll love this. The day I asked her to marry me, we were in a pizza inn. Not a hut, a pizza inn. Sunday night after church, boy, I just really, I'm, I'm just on fire with this romantic stuff. And why in the world? She said yes. Of course, after about six months after we were married, she goes, why did I say yes? I don't know. I'm glad you did. Your ability to communicate with God also determines how you use your words. I mean, we're often called to prayer. We're called to talk in prayer. And in this series, we're going to talk some about that. But your spiritual growth, your spiritual life is based on the quality of your life. And it can be diminished if you don't have the right word communication with God through prayer. The good news is, it doesn't have to be a certain type of word. It just has to be consistent. And that He's in charge, and He's in control, and He's the one that we're seeking help from. So how do we harness the power of our words on the inside of your outline? How do we harness the power of your words? I'm going to give you five ways that we can do that. All right? Number one, practice starting my day with praise. Start my day with praise. One thing I learned about Geneva's home is that Geneva and uh, Dudley had established a, a formal living room area that they turned into their prayer and praise room. When he was living, they would go in there, they'd crank the music up, and boy, they'd get after it and they'd pray, and it was just an amazing spiritual place for them. Um, I uh, texted Russell out in Seattle, let him know that Geneva had passed away, and he said, Pastor, we've lost a mighty warrior of God. And boy, he's, true. he's right. We have. But she loved that young man. She loved him in a, a strong, strong way. And uh, I know he, uh, he'll miss her just like we did and like we do. You know, do you have a routine? Do you get up every day and do you have a time to praise the Lord? Do you get up and say, good morning, Lord, instead of good Lord morning? You know, <laughs> you know what's Because what, it, it all depends on your praise. Do you turn on KXOJ and here we go? They're at 94.1 now, not 100.9, so just heads up. We need to have that time because it determines how the rest of my day is going to go. See, you're the one that decides how your day is going to go. When you get up, you decide. It's going to be a good day. You make it such. How does a person who has a, a handicap that they live with day in and day out, how do they get up in their positive to move forward every day. They determined they're going to be that way. So I believe Geneva was determined that she was ready to go to heaven, and so she was going to go. She didn't want to go. I'm going. You know, so many people, they fight that. They don't want to go. They're, just, ah, they're scared to death. Don't be afraid. You're a believer in Christ. He died on the cross for you so you can go there. Rejoice! I'm getting to go! How? <laughs> Packing my bags! Let's go! 
But what is praise? Here's a simple definition. Praise is thanking God for who He is. For who He is. Now, that's different than thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is what He's given and done for you. But, but praise is who He is. The attributes of God. How great He is. I can only imagine what it will be like. Oh, it's a great, great morning, that first day in heaven when you stroll down the Golden Avenue. Mansions left and right, you thrill to every side, and the saints are always smiling, saying, How do you do? Can't you see them waving at you? That's it. That's heaven, isn't it? What do you think they're going to do when you're walking down and strolling down the avenue? You think they're going to say, Oh, here they are. Oh, good, great. I thought this was heaven. See, if we can't get along down here, how in the world are we going to spend an eternity in heaven together? Well, you just don't know how much they hurt me. No, I don't. But it's sure not worth missing heaven over. So if you're going to bring your tongue under control, you need to bring your whole life under God's control. Psalm 145.2 says, I will praise you, whatever Sunday... Ah, I will praise you every day. Circle those two words. I will praise you every day. Circle that word. I will praise you. And then I will praise you how? Forever. Forever. Circle every day and then I will praise you forever. You get up every morning and you start to praise the Lord for who He is. Your whole day is going to be different. Your whole day will be different. If you miss morning coffee, how does that work for you? <laughs> but be so on fire by the time you get to coffee that it just kind of adds icing to the cake. But you determine that. Alright? Number two. Offer words of encouragement to others daily. There's power in encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement. My dog needs encouragement. You can raise your voice to your dog and your do- or your cat and they will, they'll hunker down and go in the corner. Or you can say, what? Get in here. What? And they start responding to that, don't they? The tone, inflection of your voice. The same way kids. You can yell at kids. Or you can speak to them in a kind and gracious way. A friend of mine got a new puppy the other day. And uh, it was an American Mastiff puppy. It's already up to 35 pounds. It's only six weeks old. So I went down, I saw his feet. I said, man, I've seen three boys with feet like that. They grow into them. This dog's going to be huge. But I got to playing with him, and he hooked those, those baby teeth in my arm. That's why I've got this cut right here. He hooked his tooth in there, and I had to pull his tooth out of my arm. And man, that hurt. It hurt. But I was bleeding on the sideline at the Jinx Union game. I said, see, man, it's deadly out here, boy. This game, this game people die. They bleed to death over here. But what a cute dog. But I could have said, oh, you stupid dog, and slapped him, but I didn't. It wasn't his fault. He just playing. But what a great... See, we've got to speak good words. Amen? Coach Trimble. Some people have... Maybe you've wondered. What does he say to him at halftime? Does he cuss him out? No. He doesn't hardly even raise his voice. He said, men, we've got to regroup here. We've got our coaches ready to... Break it down for you. And he said, and once you do that, he said, we should be okay and get in this game. And he turns it over to the coaches. And then he comes back to them and he says, okay, boys, let's pray and let's get this thing in the right set, set up. Watch out. 
You wonder why he's won all these state championships. Everybody needs encouragement. I mean, if you look at people with a scowl on your face, they're going to respond that way. But I believe with all my heart that encouraging words last. Encouraging words last. Discouraging words you don't forget either, but encouraging words will last. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, So speak encouraging words to one another. Speak encouraging words to one another. The Bible understands that encouraging words are powerful words. And that ties in to the bottom of that page where it says the, the serve one challenge. What the serve one challenge is is this. I want you to take the rest of this year. So September, October, November, December. And I want you every day, I want you to take the challenge every day. Now I want you to look at your uh, uh, connection card. No, that's not, that's not where I thought it was. You'll get to the connection card, so hang on to that and get it close. But I want you to take that serve one challenge. So every day for the rest of the year, you're going to find some way to serve somebody. But I want you to start with just encouraging words. You could do that every day. You could share an encouraging word to somebody every day. Try it. A coworker that's hard to get along with. Maybe it's your mate at home. Maybe it's your kids at home. Maybe it's your parents, grandparents. Okay? Offer words of encouragement. So I want you to take that. I, I do. So that's number two. Number three, work to remove all curse words from my speech. You might say, well, that's, I, don't, I don't cuss. Okay. Fantastic. But a lot of people struggle with that. They do. I struggle with that. I remember a guy telling me one time, he, he let out a cuss word, he said, oh man, pardon my French. And I said, man, that's a miracle just happened. He said, why is that? I said, I don't understand French, but I understood everything you said. You know, it's hard. That is a habit that's hard to unhitch in your life. If you struggle with that, my grandmother, when she had what they called hardening of the arteries back in the day. This is a godly woman. Never a cuss word. Never. But when she had that in her last days, that's all I ever heard out of her was cussing. I wonder why that is. I don't know why that is, but I've often wondered why that is. But we need to be encouragers. Encouragers. And we need to just... Get on top of these things and watch what we say. Grab hold of it and, and stop it as much as we can. To show you how that works, back in 1904, there was a revival that occurred and a lot of people came to faith in Christ for the first time. And it's a story about how it affected this one particular mining town. They were a bunch of coal miners. So uh, I was reading... Uh, the story, and I want to share with you a passage from the story. Here, here it is. Stoppages occurred in the coal mines as a result of this revival. Not new to the unpleasantness between management and workers, but because so many foul-mouthed miners became converted and stopped using foul language that, that the horses that hauled the coal trucks into the mines could no longer understand what was being said to them. 
It had a powerful statement. The horses didn't know what they were supposed to do because nobody caught them at them. Wow. I love that story. James 3.8 The tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. It's not right. It's not right that that happens. So cursing is like this small poison that undermines each day, each day, each day. It's like a drip, drip, drip. Be careful. Be careful. Number four, exercise listening twice as much as you speak. (laughs) It's been said God gave you two of these and one of these, so you listen twice as much as you talk. Amen? Wouldn't it be great... If people would listen twice as hard as they would and twice as much as they would until they start talking, some people just, it's like diarrhea of the mouth. They just got to, they got to say something. Even if it's the most stupid, asinine thing you've ever heard in your life, they've just got to say something. And it's that person who, any, anything that you've experienced in life, they've experienced it more and deeper and further and all that. Really? Yeah, I had colonitis once. Oh man, my colon jumped out of my body. I tell you, it's, it was crazy. I don't know how colons jump out of your body, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you cut. I cut my arm. Oh, their arm fell off and got sewed back on. You know, it's just crazy how people are. Mark Twain said it best: "It's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think that you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt." Sally Berger said one time: "You never saw a fish on the wall with its mouth shut." Right? Larry King said, I realize that if I'm going to learn anything today, I've got to stop talking and I have to listen. And I don't know who made this quote, but it's a good one. A small mind and a big mouth are usually found in the same place. It's very clear that you learn by listening. It's taken me so long in life to realize that I don't have to have anything to say. Sometimes I don't have to enter a conversation at all. I, I don't have to throw out my profound profundity. Is that, is that a word? I don't have to be so impressive with my words. Who am I impressing? Me. <laughs> it's so fun just to sit and listen. Don't say anything. I admire people that have conquered that early in life. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, Fools think their own way is right. <laughs> they constantly give directions, constantly tell people what they're supposed to do. But it says, But the wise, and underline this phrase, listen to others. But the wise listen to others. So if you want to be a fool, go on, be that way. But if you want to be wise, listen to others. And then number five, release, it's on the back of your outline there, release my whole life to God. The Bible makes it clear that there's a connection between what we say and the status of our heart. Because out of our heart flows through our mouths and through our lives what's present and evident in our heart. Matthew 15, 11 
talks directly about that. But the words you speak come from, what's it say? The heart. And that's what defiles you. The Greeks believed that the center of your being happened in your heart. Once your heart stops, you stop. That's what Geneva passed away from, is her heart stopped. She, was, she wasn't having labored breathing, but it was uh, apnea-type breathing. So she would, she would take a breath, she'd breathe it out, and then her, her chest would just remain quiet. Seemed like a long time. And then she wouldn't gasp for air, but she would take another breath. Then she'd breathe normal, and then she'd have one of those that just... So I, that's what happened. Is her heart just said, okay, enough, click, done. But out of your heart flows these things. So make sure your heart's pure. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, and we're called to be His followers, that's why... When you become a Christian, you're called this follower of Jesus. Then you need to ask yourselves a question. We all need to ask this question. What are our words saying about our hearts? Romans 6.13 says, Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil. Become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right, for the glory of God, including this thing that wags inside your mouth. Using your tongue for the glory of God, that's what this series is all about. That's what living a tongue-pierced life is all about. So here's what I want you to do. In your notes, and on the back of your connection card now, I've given you five ways to harness the power of your words. Kind of glance back over those five. And on that second one on your connection card, circle the number, or maybe there's a couple of them. Really, maybe all, all five of them. But what are you going to begin to work on to harness your words? What areas of your life are you going to work on harnessing those words? Would you circle one or more of those numbers and when we collect the cards, this is the, again, these are things that I pray about and I want to pray with you about. Okay? So if you would be so kind as to circle one or all those numbers to let us know uh, what, what fits for you, uh, that would be great. We would love to, love to know that. And then the third one is there is commit to be part of the rest of this series as much as possible. Hopefully you're planning to do that. Hopefully you're going to be here all five messages. I hope you do. I hope you plan to be. Because you see, we've got to begin to tackle the power of words in our life in all the ways that we can. And I hope that you're going to respond to that. Okay? Uh, maybe you're like me. You're going to exercise twice as much about controlling what you say as you do just burden it out. Uh, one of the things I want to really try to do is to speak positive words and negative words. And do that as much as I can. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the fact that 400 times in Scripture you <clears throat> talked about the power of words. 
And God, we, we all live every day using words. <clears throat> we can all think of how people in our lives have torn us down with words and how others in our lives have built us up with words. So we thank you for that gift that you've given us. And over the next four or five weeks, Father, as we study together, would you teach us to use words to glorify you? And God, as we start the process, would you show in us where we are? For some, we need to rededicate ourselves to you to to truly be what you've called us to be. There may be some, there may be one in this in this church today who's never claimed you as their Savior. That's the starting point. And then to begin to grow from there. So God, I'm just asking that you would allow us to put you back in the driver's seat of our life. We get out of the way. And please forgive us when we try to crowd you out or try to be a co-pilot alongside you. So God, in whatever way everyone here needs to respond, would you give them courage to do that? Would they say, Jesus, I'm giving up control of my life and I'm giving it to you from this day forward? And I want to thank you, Lord, for those that are going to make that decision. Many will make it right where they are. They'll never come forward and make that a public way, but they'll make it right where they are. And and you know what? That's okay. But in the weeks to come, would you give us wisdom and would you open our hearts and our minds to receive? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have an invitation song, and if you are ready to make